The Jeep Wrangler 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie woogie woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie woogie woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie woogie woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie woogie woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti-venom and boogie woogie woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. This week on the show, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney do what funny men do, be funny, plus Oscar contender and the star of Preacher, Ruth Naga. I'm Josh Horowitz. This, of course... Hi! That's Sammy. And we are your fearless leaders on this little podcast adventure we call Happy, Sad, Confused. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, Sammy... This is exciting. This is the first of all, by the way, this is the last podcast before the uh, apocalyptic um, political uh, event that is I the I wonder election. if we'll still be here. Probably not. This is probably it for humanity. Oh, let's let's enjoy every second we of this. We had a good run, guys. Listeners, please enjoy this. We at Happy Sad Confused don't mm. endorse any candidate, but if you vote for Trump, I, we hate you. That's true. <laughs> but I'm nonpartisan. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, totally. Totally chill nonpartisan. About it. But if you totally vote for Trump, chill. what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay. You're okay. okay, that's enough. Sorry, enough politics. We love you all. Um, let's talk about our guests on this week's Can show. Can you do the oh hello? Oh hello. Oh hello. Um, that is the the name of the show that Nick Kroll and John Mulaney star in. They uh, wrote it. They do everything. They did the catering? Probably not. Mm. But they do a lot. And um, they were hysterical. They're, if you don't know John Mulaney and a Kroll, then uh, you don't know what's what in comedy, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, John Mulaney, of course, is um, a former SNL writer, had his own sitcom, does some great stand-up, um, and is just generally one of the funniest guys on the planet. Oh, and he's also a co-creator and writer on my favorite – maybe my favorite show right now, Documentary Now. Love me some documentary now. You do. We talk a little bit about that as well. Um, And then Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll, of course, had Kroll Show on um, Comedy Central, that great sketch show. Just one of like the best improv guys out there has been around forever and is – Super funny, and they're and they're both super funny in this conversation yeah. about this kind of pet project that they've had for a decade. They've been doing these characters. Um, what are their names again? Oh yeah, Gil Faison and George St. Eland. And they lived on the Kroll Show. That's right. Yeah, they were they on, were the, on Kroll the Kroll Show. And they've been they've been popping up here and there in different places, like they did it like you know in the East Village, different theaters and stuff like that. And they've somehow ended up on Broadway mm-hmm. in like the most like mainstream show uh, or environment on the planet. And uh, it's running through January eighth. Oh hello, and it's. Basically, for those that don't know, they play kind of two crotchety old Upper West Siders. Crotchety? Crotchety, just like me. Because I was born on the Upper West Side and I'm already crotchety. play you. Basically, kind of. Um, And uh, they opine and whine about everything about theater and life. And uh, there's always a celebrity guest star. Um, It's a a super fun night at the theater. And if you can get tickets, uh, if you can afford it and find the the, the means to get there, uh, do your best to get – to see Oh Hello before it closes January 8th. Um, so they're hysterical. Um, coming up a little later on the show, a little switching gears a little bit, but there is a connection. Is he- there? Hear me out. Oh. Nick Kroll is starring as well in a feature film called Loving out this Friday. Loving also stars our guest in the second half of the show, uh, the amazingly talented Ruth Nega. It's almost like you planned it. 
I actually really didn't. I know, almost. <laughs> almost. I'm <laughs> like not that. It. I don't have it all together. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about Ruth a little bit later. But suffice it to say, Ruth is, um, you know, uh, in a good place. She's the star of this really beautiful film that opens on Friday that tells the true story of the Lovings. That was their last name, um, and uh, this uh, couple that uh, interracial couple in the late 1950s who simply wanted to live happily in Virginia and could not. They were arrested, um, and uh, the case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and um, justice was done. And, and here we live uh, in a time and a place, thankfully, where that kind of thing seems absurd. So anyway, it's a beautiful story, and Ruth Nega is excellent in it. We'll talk about that a little bit later with her. Uh, but first, uh, let's laugh a little bit, Sammy. You're the funny guys. Let's do it. And by the way, you get not only uh, Nick and John in this, you get a little Gil and George coming up in this oh. interview too. Four guests for the price My of none. My voice just cracked. I got so excited. Yeah, you just went through puberty right now. <laughs> um, here is Nick Kroll and John Mullaney. Uh, we're going to um, uh, see about Sammy's voice while you guys listen to this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah see a doctor immediately. <laughs> I'm so excited to be joined by the dynamic duo, the powerhouse. Um, uh, what? You're already snickering. Yeah. I heard a snicker. That was snicker. <laughs> that was him snickering. Was it? I'll tell you why in a moment. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, John Mulaney, Nick Kroll, oh, hello, on Broadway. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was us. snickering because yes. I was like, what if at, what if he does a long intro then gets both of our names wrong? <laughs> <laughs> That's my deep, uh, uh, fear. deep fear. Totally. Even if I've talked to somebody a thousand times, you can always freeze. And it you happens. took a rather pregnant pause and I was like, what if he didn't – what if like you know, we met he... at the elevator. What if he truly didn't know who we were? And Josh Maloney and Ned Crowler here. Ned Crowler are here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. They are the new stars of Hamilton on yes. Broadway. Oh, oh hello. Hamilton. Uh, I have that. I can't. I can. I've known. I've known people for fifteen years, and will introduce them to someone who I'm like, and I will be worried. I will still make people introduce themselves to each other because I am scared I'm going to forget someone's name. Yeah, I have that thing with like my closest friends and family. Like when I'm at like a social function where I and I'm coming towards someone I don't know, and I'll literally being like. Okay, that's my mother. Her name is Barbara. That's yes. my wife. Her name is Jenny. Like I literally in my brain yeah. go over it. How how are Barbara and Jenny, by the way? They're well. Good. I do that with left and right. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. And I would like to be studied, but I do have to say to myself sometimes like, right hand, right hand. And, like, and people go, and it, on your right, I'm like, right hand, right hand. How should we uh, properly di- differentiate the – Delicious voices that we're hearing. Um, John, mine will be yep, ba, 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 ba. Nick, and mine will be like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it really won't. They're they're, they're actually quite new. New beagle puppy, <laughs> new beagle puppy talking. Old chocolate lab. <laughs> Old chocolate lab. <laughs> um, the show, <laughs> the show, an old chocolate lab splayed on a kitchen floor, yeah. stinking up, stinking yeah, up, up a kitchen tile uh, yeah. floor. What's the backstory of that lab? It's that's had a life. Oof! It's been a. It was it was active for like three years from like. Like one to four, really active, and then blew out its knee. Yeah, and then still like still holds a tennis ball in its mouth, but only slobbers on your leg and, and doesn't really. The leave kids you. were like, "We'll walk it if you get it," and then the dad walked it every morning in sweatpants. Mm. And now he's overweight. Who? The dad or the no dog the chocolate kid. lab? Oh, yeah. yeah, the dad's overweight too. Yeah, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. The man is depressed and he won't admit it. <laughs> Um, your show is delightful, but he'll look back on a full life. Like he's a the dad? He's, yeah. He's, I don't know. He's had kids. He's had two yeah. or three kids. 
He's built. He's been a part of. He's worked at Morgan Stanley successfully for yeah. a long time. Yeah. He has a network him. of uh, his wife's friends' husbands that he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he plays golf with a, his delinquent friend who's already divorced. <laughs> his delinquent <laughs> friend was slightly too long hair for an old man, right? Who he makes has, him feel good about himself because that yes. friend is even. Yeah, worse he goes home and he goes, "Boy, Don's dating a new woman." And yeah. boy, I mean, you know, talk about getting your priorities straight. Yeah. But he's. Don's so still doing. Don's still doing coke. Yeah, <laughs> you know he still. He went to the Dominican the Republic and probably had sex with a hooker, and he's he's doing coke. And he's you know he's still with the cigarettes and stuff. And but um, I'm anyway, so jealous of him. We're going to Miami next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sell tickets to your show. Let's get to it. Oh hello. Yeah. Uh, oh hello. Uh, on, on Broadway. Broadway.com. What's the website? It is oh hello broad. Oh hello Broadway. Broadway.com. Yeah. Yeah, and you can buy tickets there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. It's a super fun night at the Thanks theater. And tell we me, wrote it. What? <laughs> yeah. You did? We wrote most of those. I, <laughs> Do you, you know, know what's amazing? A we, we had a guy, uh, uh, one of the gentlemen working on our show, who was very actively. It was our the head of our props was yes, prop master. Prop master. It was an important role on on great a Broadway guy. show. Feels like a lofty title on a, a show to have. You get the master title. You are he, and he is a master of it. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. He's very good at it. He did and not. Our, this uh, a sound man is technically called the Tsarina of St. Petersburg, which is also a little. <laughs> people don't form. talk about that, but it's people, yeah, it's not people true. don't talk about it at all. But what a gorgeous what a, sound shape and a gorgeous crown, right? <laughs> um, so, and also, oftentimes they do like making love to horses, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, but but our prop master would not believe that we had written the show ourselves. It was pretty cool. He kind of cornered both of us and was like, "You wrote this? Good for said, you yeah. guys." He goes, "You wrote all of it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sure you didn't have writers? <laughs> no. We didn't have any writers. And we had an associate director who would sort of it takes down the stuff that we improvised during shows or in rehearsals, and he would go up to her and be like. Are you writing this for them? <laughs> Are you the writer? You didn't Who's to blame? Who gets the credits? I know. And I, I think it was all out of love. Like, I think he likes the show. Oh, he right? liked it. He'd go, that's funny. You wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem like you. Uh, From what I know of you, for, I've only it seems seen out of you character. rehearse the show, and you don't seem like you wrote it. Yeah. Th- this is either a, a true miracle that this exists on Broadway or, or an affront to the Broadway gods that something this absurd and insane actually exists on Broadway. Well, Maybe a mix you, of both. If you watch the first episode of Westworld, which I did last night, not a big deal, um, <laughs> Jeffrey Wright mumbles something about their <laughs> You know, Jeffrey not- Wright once mumbled something <laughs> that I think of often. Which is, the there are no mistakes. Yeah. Right. right. So that in there evolution, are no there are things... <laughs> um, ever since the update ran, we have an <laughs> Is that your and Jeffrey then Wright? Anthony Hopkins you, comes in and he goes, Oh, but we also have... <laughs> And you go, I want to turn it up, but the explosions are too loud. Yeah, right. so that we would argue that there are no mistakes. Even in the evolutionary pattern when things go off and get slightly ruin the landscape, yeah. Yeah. they are there for a reason. So we're so Gil and George are basically cowboy robots that we built for you to have sex with or whatever's happening over there. Jesus. Uh, but, get it together. I know. So anyway, so but, the, but yes, it is both um, – we – I mean we – I don't know. Like to me, it feels both like such a crazy, ridiculous coup, and also exactly what was supposed to happen. Right. And 
but just to be clear, Broadway has been very kind and welcoming to us it's been in amazing. all in all ways. So we've had a lot of people um, appearing on or soon on Broadway on our show as guests too, which has been great. And, and also just generally like very nice when you meet people from other shows. They're they were excited. They've heard nice things about it. Like it has not in any way be like, what are you doing on our turf? Yeah, everyone's all. excited to have you know. A diversity of shows. I'm not that there's anything that diverse about two ghost white men, <laughs> the color of dandruff. Yeah. And uh, Pre- presenting their. Rubbing their dry hands together and <laughs> telling one liners. But uh, it, is, it is a bit different. What, what, what's, the, what's the bare minimum that people need to know going into this uh, about these two characters and the, the lives they've, they've lived that um, get them to the stage here? Well, the, the backstory of it is John and I have been doing these characters for about 10 years. We used to do them at a, a club in the East Village when we both were starting out. And we would host a, live, a stand-up show and interview our friends' stand-ups after their sets. And um, there are two mid-70-year-old guys from the Upper West Side of Manhattan, which is the coffee breath of neighborhoods. And they are a uh, also-ran writer and actor – um, who fashion themselves sort of intelligentsia. They, if you don't know much about that kind of man, it's like Woody Allen types, like people yeah. who might have been in the movie like Manhattan or Crimes right. and Misdemeanors. Yeah, guys with oatmeal-colored hair in the 80s and, and big corduroys, and they were architects, and like in a Woody Allen movie, everyone's trying to date them. It's just interesting that uh, I grew up on the Upper West Side. My dad, is, my dad is an architect, so I <laughs> feel like I'm cornered here. I feel like this is made well, for me. Cornered. Right, it was like... Like, with just think of like think Josh's dad when he was <laughs> yeah. still like getting it, getting it going yeah. in the seventies and eighties. They are married. Barbara and Larry Horowitz would enjoy this show very much. I, gonna, I, I believe this. Bob the, and, the, yes. uh, the actual other title we were toying with was Barbara and Larry Horowitz. <laughs> But it is it, – the show is your parents. Yeah, the show is your parents and mm-hmm. your parents have probably seen it even if they haven't. Right. And or you've dealt with men like – Yes. The, you, oh, you, I think you have. You've dealt with these men a lot. I, yes, they are very familiar to me. Yeah. You Larry, son? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the point where – Are you doing your podcast? Larry's son does podcast <laughs> yeah. and it's he's streaming. A, you know, he's doing – he's in MTV now. He's at MTV and it's a binge watch. It's podcast. <laughs> Now, the the, the the key difference, you and you alluded to this, in playing to a Broadway audience compared to doing something in the East Village 10 years ago mm-hmm. is you're playing to arguably a few hundred of the people that you're satirizing some nights. Yes. Is that – were you worried about that going into it? In no, terms of- I mean yes and no. It was like the, what was interesting is we – so we did the show in the East Village. Then eventually we did it. I had a sketch show called Kroll Show which we did more of the characters on that show, both a prank show, sort of more Woody Allen filmic pieces and then a prank show called Too Much Tuna, which um, was the first time that we were like, all right, look at this. Like this isn't necessarily too New York – Everybody gets tuna, and so like I get tweeted pictures and and stuff from like fifteen year old girls in Phoenix or people around the country, people dressing up for Halloween, all this stuff. And all yeah. of a sudden, it was like I'm oh, direct it's... messaging with fifteen year olds, and everyone, you know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone's huh. talking about it. Everyone's, <laughs> yeah. You know, and you send these, you can DM. Yeah, you and know, then you can. Right. There are apps where the messages disappear, and you can talk to right. yeah. young teens. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like and, Anthony and, Weiner, like yeah, well, that's no, what no. Uh, no. we don't go to that specific okay. message board, but. <laughs> And we know I, what you mean. And by the way, wouldn't it be amazing if it turned out that we had framed Anthony Weiner, that we had we had been hacking into his Twitter for the last number of years? That we were Carlos that? Danger? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
you would have come up with a better pseudonym, I think, than no, Carlos Danger. It's uh, hard to beat Anthony know. Weiner coming up with the name Carlos Danger. It's, it's, it's um, perfect. So, so we, so then we, so then, so we weirdly off Broadway. We did it at the Cherryland Theater last year, and we, and it was our fans. Like we sold out the run in like eight hours, the whole right. run. So then it was like, all right, now we go to Broadway. Can we make a Broadway audience? And and what we found is. Our show lives and dies, will live and die on Broadway based on the idea that the Georgian guilds of the real world, uh, like real like Upper West Side Jews who really are the fuel for like the Broadway economy in a lot of ways, decide to come out and see the show. Sure. And I feel like they've been coming out and they like the show. Yeah. I mean, we're satirizing them, but we're also living in them for a while. And I think it's you kind of you ease into their world and it's it's very comfortable uh, for people that love Steely Dan and love Alan Alda and our Barbara and Larry Horowitz. And like no <laughs> knew what it was like when Ed Koch ran New yeah, York right. and what the 70s were like in New York and all that stuff. So art, what, I don't think we consciously did it, but what we've done is written like a show with about one million jokes in it. And so the hope is that even if not every joke's for you, there's still like 400,000 right. jokes that you're going to get in Nate a show. Nate Silver said seconds. at least 67% of the audience will get 79% of the jokes. I missed yeah. that. That's on the I, – I, I'm following no, him religiously right privately now. Oh, and he you... told me not to repeat it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'd love it if you could edit that out. <laughs> and Nate Silver said that I would see him on TV like six or seven years ago – and be like, what am I doing on TV? <laughs> Why am I talking numbers? I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a numbers guy. When did I tape this? Yeah. Is the <laughs> is the uh, is the audience vocal at all? Do do you hear them? Do you hear them Every laughing? Now? Yeah. Well, hopefully yes. But in terms and of clapping, <laughs> at the beginning, whooping and, the end, and hollering, the end clap. Do they standing? Nice. Standing <laughs> maybe. Sometimes not. Sometimes yes. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Yeah. Any audible speech? Any actual Every once dialogue? In a while, it's a pretty well-behaved audience. Every once in a while, we'll get someone who wants to pipe in. Occasionally, <laughs> it's a Broadway house. There's just something about that that feels like synagogue or church it's like there's a little bit like there's some restraint right yeah fewer phones out than many fewer phones than in a regular comedy theater which is really nice yes i realizing even though you want people to it's nice that people want to take pictures and video and share it with um their their 15 stone friend somewhere (laughs) but um no there's something very nice about being able to right. do the show and feeling like everyone's eyes are on you and there's no distractions. And you guys leave a, a decent amount uh, open for improv every mm-hmm. night. You obviously have a different guest every night, a mm-hmm. celebrity guest star. Um, are those, I, I would assume, are, are booked relatively far in advance? It's not like you comb the Both. theater and find somebody? Um, oh, well, well once some, we did, yeah. Sometimes some on the road we would pick people out of the audience every night because we didn't have access to you know notable folks when we were in Boston or, 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 or San Francisco or whatever but uh but so we'll p- still pick people out of the audience we picked uh, some girl out of the audience uh on sunday and it was her birthday and uh, her boyfriend's birthday yeah and they had very similar names it was weird it was mm. weird and then eh. but then also like one night our guest couldn't make it natasha leon was going to do the show but she was caught on set 
Um, so she couldn't make it. And so we found out like a minute before the show that Katie Kirk was in the crowd. Yeah, we were about to pick someone from the crowd. And then our assistant, Joe Ellen, said Katie Kirk. So we asked Katie Kirk to do the show. Um, I was privileged enough to get Griffin Dunn. Oh, oh wonderful. Which, wonderful. Which feels like, I mean, that feels. He was in the show already. He was, he was already in the show yeah. as, a, as, a, uh, as a real point uh, of contention. A high between. dramatic moment in the show. <laughs> Absolutely. <Griffin Dunn. laughs> Um, it was, and I tried to convey to him that you're in it every night. You he, know? Did he believe you? Or I he think thought, he did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, but good... you do need to say, like, by the way, that wasn't for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For, um, but the fun thing is, is depending on who you have and the whoever the guest is, we then also talk about and reference at various points in the show afterwards who that person was or things that are going on with right. them. Yeah, the show builds in a nice way where anything that organically comes up throughout it. We kind of can thread through a lot, which is fun. Do, do you ever uh, in in the the impro- improvisational part of the show? Do you ever like use something that the other doesn't get in terms of like a reference, or do you ever lose yes, the that, other uh, person? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I there was get something a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's on. It's on our Instagram. Oh hello at oh hello show at oh hello show. Follow us. <laughs> yeah, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on the Snapchat you that do we don't Snapchat? really use. Okay. We should start doing Snapchat. I don't know. Is that a thing, Josh? It's it, a thing. It is. I don't, I don't so. use it enough. It, it, around here in the parts of MTV, it's the it's a big thing. Right? And you can thing. direct message with young people on it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the way you're speaking about it yeah, indicates uh-huh. that you should use it. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, yeah. So losing the other. We had a bit. Who, who was our guest that night? Was it Ben Platt? It might have been Ben Platt, who's about to be on Broadway in a show called Dear Evan Hansen, who's in Pitch Perfect. And uh, he was talking about it. He was was a college dropout. And then I made a long joke about did his did his uh, wife's jewelry just get stolen? And John was like. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, and then I, I had to I work backwards to explain. Is there a safe word you drop in when you say, I, I, I need help? We just like, I need, no, like... what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Which is a sentence either of us could say to each other yes. throughout the play. So then I had to work backwards and explain that I'm making a Kanye West reference. Got it. And then, and which is something Gil shouldn't know about. True. So, which we then set up. It's a very fun kind of meta thing. You can always play with the levels of it. Wait, what about if a joke doesn't land that you yourself and turn on the audience? Yeah, <laughs> attack the audience. But what? If, what if you believe in the joke and it just dies in the audience? Do you stick with it the next night? Do you keep coming back to it? Or if we you have a similar ear where we're both hearing the same after we everything gets a couple days in court, or yeah. or we'll try something and then it's like that's not working. We did it. Yeah. I think we try to couch those with – there are maybe one or two things left having workshopped this show for all – what, a year and a half uh, since Off-Broadway. Maybe a couple little things that are like, that might be for us, but uh, we keep it in, you know. But most things, we, we sort of uh, – we also change it up a lot. So we'll we'll grow dissatisfied with things that even get a laugh and yeah. want to – Mix yeah, either the either the laugh we're just bored of the joke, and so it, you want to change it, or it's like I have still have a few jokes where I'm like, I think I I just I need I can beat this joke. I just have settled into it, and it works, but I can beat it. Right. Um, because we have some other jokes that work so well, it's hard. You get we've gotten so the the ones that really the ones that have landed poorly don't make the home team. After a while, you just go, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, I so- love you, Bella Abzug reference, but you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Does it surprise you that 10 years in, it's as like exciting and rewarding that you're still finding new stuff within these characters? Because that doesn't obviously happen very often with a character. I, I don't know surprise. It delights me. I mean, from the time we started doing it, it was the funniest thing. I, I found yeah. it as funny as I think some of the audience that's liked it has. I really enjoy it on sort of a third-person level that's yeah. weird and egotistical but also <laughs> genuine. You know? Well, no, and I think for both of us, we've both done a bunch of different stuff and in different places and, and have had, like, been very fortunate to have a good amount of success. And But there's something about this particular thing which we're both, like, I have no... Um, I mean, I, 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 we're constantly trying to make it better. Right. Um, but I have very little humility about it. <laughs> Gil and George have high self-esteem. The Even show though, has high yes. self-esteem. Uh, for two <laughs> Maybe too high. Deeply, deep losers. Like yeah, deeply deep losers. Deep These losers. are ketchup packets. These yeah. men are losers. Yeah. These, are stra- these are straw wrappers. Are these the yeah. men that you fear you might become if things go awry? If, ah. if, if you, if you, ah. Oh. oh. Uh, I both fear and and would be thrilled <laughs> to be these men. I would not like to be George. I, I yes. but I but he's in but he's very much inside me. I would not like to be angry. No, and I don't want to be weak, Gil. Um, but he's so sweet though. Yeah, but he's weak and That's he's okay. just no. It's he's not sweet. Not he's nature's me. clown. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, by the way, I think what you call your dog as well. No, that's what someone told me bulldogs are called. Yeah. just clowns. <laughs> as if clowns aren't human beings. <laughs> what about a guy who worked his whole life, go to clown school, yeah. then a flat-faced dog just shows up and gets the title? Yeah. Clowns are getting a bad rap nowadays, they are, I feel I don't like. Understand I don't it. care about that story at all. Yeah, and I'm not either. shutting What's down the topic. I, I mean, I... I've, I'm, I'm similarly. It's a little feels like, like hack to me to get it, like, ooh, uh, clowns are scary. No, it's also oh, like okay. it feels invented by the news. The yes. media is rigging this election. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're, uh, how, do, how are you feeling about The Walking Dead? Speaking of hot topics right now. Oh, I don't. I, I don't know. I watched about one it. episode. I was like, oh, that. Look at that TV show. <laughs> yeah. That's all I felt watching it. Yeah. I have no. And I have I'm, no opinion great. on it except sure that I was great. like. Why does everybody watch this thing? It just looks like a TV show. To I, me. I agree. I've, I, 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 Do people? But people love it. It's like the highest rated show on TV. Right yeah. Now. yeah. Is it? Wonderful. Yeah. And is it on AMC? Yes. AMC and they Sunday did Mad Men. They did Mad That's Men. Wonderful. That's You're wonderful. So positive about this. No, because imagine being there, and that'd be fun to be. Imagine to be at AMC? On AMC and be like, "Ha ha!" Like I, I, I. We was used a to show the Fugitive ra- twice a day, and now we have the <laughs> highest rated show. Yeah. In the world, you're talking about the the, the film, not the TV show, the Harrison Ford, not the Ford. Tim Daly TV show. The, yes, not the, that. the reboot. Yeah, no, it was no, on he, CBS. Oh, not the original TV. Do show. you watch every incarnation of the Fugitive? Or you? A no, fugitive but I was like... once on a date when I was in college, yeah. and that was on a TV at a bar, and the it was fugitive TV. The TV show with Tim Daly. Everyone, we <laughs> all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. and it was on CBS, and it was a Friday night, <laughs> and I was on this date, and I could that not, was and it was on closed captioning. <laughs> well, I was, I was, it? I was drinking, and also I was just watching the TV, and uh, yeah, those were the days. Those were the. I'm actually having a flashback. I'm remembering that. Uh, seeing in your sta- one of your stand-up acts, you had a reference to Provasic. Yeah, it, not uh, my wife. You, you are not. I know John Zach perfectly. You, <laughs> you are, are not, not my wife. wife. <laughs> this guy can quote me all day long. Anyway, Anywho. I don't know what became of the woman that I was on a date with. Cela Ward. Yep. You dated Cela. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'd rather not talk about. It. <laughs> this was post sisters. Uh, yeah, because I I met her through help me Clooney. Swoozy Curtis. <laughs> yes. No problem. A dear friend of George and Gill's. Um, 
but yeah, no, we think that the show's going to do well. <laughs> the Walking Dead's going to do great. Yeah. So do you feel Why like, are zombies popular? I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm I don't so know. I'm so not interested it. in zombies. I feel like it, it, but it's overstated. It's welcome. I'm interested in them to a degree that I'm like, what does it mean? And we can only t- – we can set a timer because it's not a good topic. Right. But well, I think it's the overarching, like the underlying threat of like a – Post-apocalyptic kind of well, thing, or post-apocalyptic, no? Post-apocalyptic, but this idea that there's this like, like impending force coming at you that is stronger than you, but you, but isn't actually a thinking being. That they just keep coming at you, keep trying to kill them. Yeah, and you're like, and that's what like uh, fear feels like. Oh, because you want like, our own. You want to kill the like. other, but you also want it to be like nameless and faceless. Yeah, but you and, recognize like, you kill the other. it, but it's... you can't. It just keeps coming at you, and there's right. like no. What? However, I reason. So you're this. both a murderer and a constant victim. Yes, <laughs> but there's also a profundity to it that you could be killing your best friend, yes. your wife, at your any son. point. Like they I can got over. Turn. I get over that fast. Yeah, you know, I'd be like, that's not my wife. It's a zombie. Yeah. Right, this is true. Has my wife quoting your act? That's not <laughs> my <laughs> wife. That's a zombie. Bam. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. What are the uh, – you both have had the um, uh, wonderful privilege of having shows named after yourselves. What yes. are the pros and cons of having a show with your own name? There are the pros. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's a weird thing. John and I had different experiences. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In that – but I think it's like the nice thing about Oh Hello in general is that it is – we are we get to hide behind oh, these I love this pivot and I'm gonna take you to lunch. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's like it's like the third Look debate. This is like But, mm. it, but, here's but the, thing. the thing about Oh Hello on Broadway right. is yeah. no, but it is it's and it's part of the larger thing of like you have a show with your name on it, there comes either great success or or frustration with it in both ways, whatever however it lands. Um but when you're when we're doing Oh Hello and you're George and Gill, it's like John and Nick are still getting so much fucking credit for it. Um, but we still get to be George and Gill right. and we still have a show that's called Oh Hello and it's this thing that is separated from us directly. Right. And so it can be a very successful thing and then you can still get on the subway and every once in a while someone's like, you're that old dude from the poster. And you're like, yes, I am. I'm glad you recognize me. And then the rest of the time you get to walk around – in the world, when you have a show with your name on it, it carries a ton of pressure. Right. It also carries your face directly attached to it, and it and it's a more complicated dance. And it's I think, also your family's name. You know? Yes, you're dragging <laughs> down the whole family. I mean, it's, with biz- you. it's bizarre. <laughs> yes. Yeah, should should it not work? You're to see Mulaney sucks. You're like, oh man, that's my grandpa. <laughs> That guy, he didn't do anything. Yeah. So in retrospect, they should have just used the entire, the full name at least. Like yeah, your, the John, the John, the John Mulaney Mulaney hour. Yeah. Uh, an hour, God willing. <laughs> 21 minutes and people turned it off. I couldn't. 21.30. I was I desperate. We were eventually 21.15. I wanted to call my show forever. Uh, at least Comedy Central was. It was 21.15. They kept taking time away. That's cool. Um, 
the the Nick show crawl is what I desperately wanted the to Nick call show the show, <laughs> and then eventually clowning around with Nick. Nick Crawling around with Nick Clown was the other <laughs> yes. title that I was desperate to call it. <laughs> that was it my favorite. Because I was so not interested in doing that show with your name on it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. So um, what were your – you guys go way back to college. Yes. Yeah. First impressions of each other. This was at Georgetown. What was the what was the context? What was the first impression of each other well, back then? I met John. He was auditioning for the improv group with his buddy and they were really funny. And then I split them apart to do another scene and his buddy was still funny, but John's scene was electrically funny. And uh, and we joined the improv group, and, and John's impression of me from that experience. I met him as the director of, of the group I was trying to get in. So uh, I also thought he was of Latino origin. <laughs> of, of Latino oranges as well, though. Yeah, because he was eating a – he had a net grocery bag of clementines. Yeah, and I kept saying, from the orchard of Sevilla. <laughs> I he, come to you as the you director just... of the improv group. <laughs> we would do improvisation. <laughs> Together with the ghosts of Alhambra, we would do improvisation. <laughs> you had just gotten back from a junior year abroad. Yeah, I, was in, I had been in Argentina. Or so he kept talking about, like, in Argentina, we, and I was like, oh, sure, oh, this, this is, is the, the South of the world. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. Um, but then we became fast <laughs> friends and uh, and just stayed, I think, even... The chasm between a freshman and a senior was bridged was through bridged comedy. Was bridged through comedy and some drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any any drugs in particular? Just all no, the above? I mean, some. Some. I once lost a little cube of hash in Nick's house on Prospect. And remember, you don't remember this. I don't. I was like, I, I came over to your house and I was like looking for it. And we had, I'd given you some on the Sunday night or something. And on Wednesday, I'm like <laughs> knocking on your door. <laughs> like, hey, hey, man, I lost. So I'm looking around for it. And I remember Nick goes, you know, you can keep looking, but it wasn't very good. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I smoked your hat? No, like, oh, like you on Sunday you had not been impressed. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh. Is that like, your impression of me? Is that the first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's dead on. Wow. It was good. It was pretty good. It's a very impressive. That was more a college. Imp- that yeah. was more a college. Imp- like when I was feigning adulthood. When oh, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I buy that. Is, is John less interesting now that he's more of a straight arrow? Sober? Yeah. No, he's only more interesting. He his his his. Thank you. That's when he nice. was when he <laughs> was drinking and and drugging, um, <laughs> I didn't know him that well. And partly it's also when people are doing that who have to stop, they hide a lot of who they are from you. And Nick is also he's a senior, and I'm a freshman, and that will not leave my brain. So I always wanted to impress that, him, and yeah. always still want to impress him. Yeah. So I would not. Thank you for the flowers this morning, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, those are gonna stink in three days. They're gonna smell like a dead body in three days, and you won't know what it is, and then you'll smell the vase. So, I would not be too out of control around him. Yes, but uh, but also, yeah. I mean, no, he's no. I, I'm a much more interesting person. Now. I find John endlessly interesting. Uh, it's, it's just a f- like a totally unique creature. One of the most interesting things about you have, has this first segue is uh, a TV show that I adore is documentary now. I just need to mention that. Oh, thanks. That. I'm glad you like it. Um, the, the episode, The Bunker, this year is maybe my favorite. It's like 20 is that the, one minutes. That's the War Room one? Yes. Oh, Stephanopoulos yeah. and Carville. Oh, yeah. I watched it one time and then I, I insisted that my wife and I sit down and watch The War Room followed by oh, The cool. Bunker. Had it's she just, seen The War Room before? She hadn't. Oh, God. The War Room is it's so great. It's yeah, one of my favorites. I've got to go watch that. It's, uh, it's a real joy. And when you're talking about satirizing these old men and I said we're satirizing them but we're also presenting them I find that with documentary now is 
people will say, like, you're spoofing or this week they take on this. And I'm like, yes and no. We're, we're also just like we love those and want to live in them for a while. Yeah. You know, when you do the war room, it wasn't like we're taking down the war room. It's like the war room's perfect. Well, yeah. And it was you're... just like we want to dress – We I want to I write a thing where everyone dresses up like they're in the war room. Right. <laughs> and seeing his take on <clears> – <throat> um, Hater's take on Carville, it's not even that – that heightened. I mean, it's heightened, but it's not. No, so, no. I think so on extreme. SNL, the Car- James Carville he would do was was more heightened, and this was kind of the, the deeply the obsessive that- Carville that you see in the war room. The guy who he doesn't even look people in the eye; he's just thinking and blinking all the time. But that's totally. what's I think so good about that show in general is like the 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 take on all of these things. It's rarely very broad. It's very just all across the board: writing, acting, directing. It's incredibly well realized and not over the top, really. Across yeah, the direction, un- unless it's a fun ver- reason to go over the top totally. with something. Yeah, I think the drones episode was like a fun way to spin out from Vice, but uh, the Jiro Dreams of Sushi um, one—I forget what that yeah, was called—that yeah, that, 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 that wasn't that, even that. I mean, you could almost take that as. I found it kind of emotional. That's uh, what I'm Seth saying. Myers it's almost could play as a, I was like, oh, this is I really, <laughs> I really care about these people. Totally. Which in 21 minutes and 30 seconds, it's 15, crazy. 21, 15. 15. They took time out of it. <laughs> IFC will take an extra 15 to do just like wraparound promos for the new episode of. But you don't harbor any kind of ill will about that. You're you're cool with it. You're, the extra 15 that was yeah, taken away. Yeah. No, I have nothing to say about that. Uh, <laughs> also, congratulations to you, Nick. I've seen Loving. Oh, cool. Which is fantastic. Thank you. The new film from Jeff Nichols. Uh, so you've you've worked with Malik? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Nichols? I mean, this is insane. Yes. Uh, well, I'm an important actor, and so I work with important directors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was your Terrence Malick experience? My Terrence Malick experience was amazing. Um, he obviously he, uh, people sort of know him in, in within a certain world, but the the most notably in the last few years he made Tree of Life, sure. but obviously has made Badlands, Badlands and, and incredible yep. movies, and he's a very sort of you know uh, experimentally tonal kind of director. So um, I got a call on a Tuesday, being like, "Do you want to go in on Thursday and be in a Terrence Malick movie?" And I said, "Sure." And that's basically from that moment on when I went in on Thursday, it was just like, okay. They were just like, come in maybe as something you'd wear to a party. And I said, okay. And there was no script, no anything. And um, I met him downstairs right before we started shooting. And he's a very sort of secretive kind of guy. He wears like a big straw hat. And right. he was in uh, a full a denim shirt buttoned up to the top. And he doesn't like to be photographed. And he... He came up to me and I was with like a, another a bunch of actors and, and some models and they had all auditioned or something. But I he was just like, um, Nick, you are a, a torpedo. Uh, you are here to disrupt. And that was the extent of what he told me. And then I get on set and you stand by him. He's got a monitor and he'll just throw you into a scene. And we were in this beautiful, crazy mansion on Mulholland and there were hundreds of dogs in costumes running around. <laughs> and... Um, and at some point, the scene, Christian Bale was the star, and, and he just sort of was like, um, you used to write with Christian, and then just pushed me into the scene. And then it's like, okay. And then by the end of the day, I was like sticking icicles from some – this man was shaving a block of ice into a poodle, and then there were icicle shards, and I was taking them and sticking them down Christian Bale's back. Huh. It was a totally bizarre <laughs> – so fun, weird day, and I'm in the movie for like ten seconds. But hey, you have a good story for a podcast. There you go, and that's all we're really in this for. <laughs> that's why you got into the business. Yes, but uh, but but Mal- it was really cool. It was a very crazy day. 
before uh, well, I should let you guys go, but I'd lo- I'd love to. I and feel people like, should. Say, I will push. Yeah. Go see Loving. Yes, it's this Jeff Nichols movie. It's a, based on a. a tr- it's a true story. Richard and Mildred Loving. Google them. It's a beautiful story, and Ruth Nega and Joel Edgerton, who star in it, are amazing. It's a gorgeous movie. Yeah, I mean, I've been obsessed with all of Jeff's films. Yes, so and he's awesome. like the one of the best directors working right now. Totally. So um, I should let you guys go, but but I was hoping. I I, I think. I think Gil and George might be available to, to swap they're, in for you guys. Yeah, they're, I mean, you... they're outside in the Viacom kitchen. They were grabbing a yeah. bunch of uh, sugar They were looking packets. for Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> and they uh, were unhappy. Well, yeah. well I, I, think, I, oh, I think I see them here. And, uh, Gil, Gil and George? Yeah, come on in, guys. Yeah. Hey. We're knocking on the right. table. We're knocking, We're knocking on, the on the table. table. No, we have to be invited in like Dracula. <laughs> well, congrats. Yes, or otherwise, no, who, is, who do you think is the best version of Dracula right now? Oh, I think Rudy Giuliani's doing a great <laughs> touring version of Dracula. I was just congratulating your your friends, uh, uh, John and Nick. Ugh, uh, fuck them. Screw those fuckers. Fuck them. Fuck those guys. They're credited as the playwrights on on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah this is a bu- and we, we our prep master, he knows the truth. Yeah, they didn't write shit. <laughs> The Master knows who we wrote it. We told them, you go investigate. Find out what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> these guys, these presenters, you know, they present, they produce the show. Meanwhile, we're the guys who are getting on stage every night, you know, bringing the heat, doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> bringing the love. Do you feel uh, proper accolades uh, thus far? Do you feel no. celebrated? What? No. no. We've been snubbed. We've been snubbed the, by critics. Why? What What do you mean? People Besides are loving the show. Besides Barbara like... and Larry Horowitz. <laughs> they haven't seen the show yet, but they're going to love a it. A snub. A snub. We've been snubbed by the Academy? Excuse me. The Tudor Village Newsletter, this is an apartment complex on York and 83rd, <laughs> has not covered the show. No. Right. They were given comps. Yeah. The people that write it died. But still... <laughs> Do you feel embraced by the Broadway community? Have you been? Have you gone to we've Sardis to, yet? We've have tried you... to embrace a number of members of the Broadway, Broadway community. community. The mixed results. None of the cats wanted to hug us. Uh, then we we've not been to Sardis. We're not allowed in Sardis. We went to Sardines, a packing warehouse <laughs> in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where they pack sardines. And, sure. And uh, hipsters and you go there who decided they wanted to start a family. Yeah. Have you? I, r- random question, but I'm just curious. Have you guys caught The Walking Dead yet? Have you seen this, yeah. this show? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, they, they, we everyone keeps calling us that. Uh, so that's <laughs> been a problem. We don't care for that. Yeah, we know. don't care for that. How dare you? We're not working. We're sauntering. We're sauntering. We're strolling. And we're not dead. We're old. We're we're gonna die. <laughs> but we're all gonna die. No, but not like us, honey. Yeah, not like us. <laughs> just exploding in an apartment, to be yeah. composing corpses. <laughs> just us. I mean, we're praying to God one goes before the other, so the other can crawl to the door. Yeah, hoping, and let Luis know. Oh, ho- uh, hoping that. <laughs> Luis is a, uh, a super. He's a porter. He's a he's George. What's, he's not a porter. What is the he's difference the between super? No, he's not. No, no. Khan is the super. Okay. <laughs> Luis is the one with the dolly. No, that's Morg. Morg. Morg that, is that's which, the name. Morg. No, Morg is the it's handyman. Morg. This guy Morgan Abramovitz. He's this Irish Jew who lives in the building. <laughs> claims to work for the place. Right. Does not. No, he's just a lifer who likes to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> we we really stay out of building politics. Sure. We don't even evacuate when there's smoke. Yeah. Huh. Uh, since the opening night, which uh, featured Alan Alda, have you guys have you got bonded with Mr. Alda? Is he? Would you count him as a friend? I know you that's. Know! Oh my God! Friend is a good is a fun word. You know. He did it. He did a tweet. 
he did a tweet. You yeah. Know, this is the problem with an Alan Alda. <sighs> this is the problem with staying active in your 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 later years, like Mr. Alda has, who we have a deep amount of respect for, both for his acting and also the legal action that he's taken against us. We restraining respect order his was. suits and counter suits. Yes, and. <laughs> But this guy, he's 80, and he's tweeting himself. Oh, that's great. It's great for him. We're not interested in this. You know, like we have an, uh, you know, a Twitter handle. Is, oh, hello, show. Sorry? Oh, no, hello, show. <laughs> but uh, he tweets himself the day after doing the show. He actually did tweet uh, that his profile has been raised. That he liked it, you know. But since then, it's like... You can't even get into his apartment with a butter knife. Yeah, you know? it's like us with They'll Lucy. Call the it's us like us with Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou, radio silence. You know, we you know we <laughs> we watch an episode of Elementary. We like her in it. We send her forty to fifty letters, and and then she goes radio silent on us. You, you know? know, I send her photos to sign photos of me, and I write "Do not bend" in aggressive <laughs> lettering on the front. <laughs> What would you say to the folks out there finally that might be on the fence? I mean, you know, Broadway tickets are, are, are expensive. No, they're it's, not. It's, Spend the money. No, not. Spend it. But also, get money it, together. Get money. Get your figure oh, sure. out. Go to your checking. No, go to the ATM. Go to an ATM. Go to your okay. bank. Wait on a line. Wait on a line. Then get up to the front and then not understand the process or the things that you need to get that money out. Hold up a line at lunch. Okay? <laughs> and have problems with the teller when truly the problem is that... Some you just the money isn't there. Yes, but I would say also for those folks out there who might not have the money for a Broadway ticket, there are what? day rush tickets. There are you, rush tickets. You can get tickets on the day. Go to the theater, and we don't and, mean tickets to see Rush in Toronto. Oh, which we would love to do to see them in their hometown. What a joy it would be! <laughs> what to a be joy! Sure. To see Everyone Rush. feeling included. Yes, but to go, you can. This is to an, the Lyceum an, an, Theater. I, to the Lyceum Theater at forty six one forty. One forty nine Forty Fifth Street, the Lyceum TD. You can get yourself day of rush tickets, and this is not a joke. As the, opposed to the other things that we've been we talking said about, some of the things we say in bits, we won't lie, because we need to sell tickets. So for uh, approximately one hundred more minutes of these gentlemen, yeah. yeah. You guys should go online, go get rush tickets. Just figure it out, guys. Go to rush tickets. Go, go oh, see. Or get, you know, get regular tickets. Rock, well, whatever tickets. For whatever those works. of you, your millennials, your big millennial following and your podcast. And you spent your monies at a, at a group dinner at Sushi Samba. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, oh, I want to go see you. Hello. I want to laugh. I want to laugh and I want to think and I want to see Coulter because I want to be cultured. Because I want to meet Ann Coulter. Get a rush ticket. Gil and George, it's been a pleasure. Give my best to John and Nick when you John see them. John Demshire, Josh. Bye, Josh. And tell Larry and Barbara. Tell Larry and Barbara. Them. Oh, you're Larry's son. Oh, you're Larry's son. Will you tell Barbara that I say hello and that I am sorry about the fight at Cinderella? <laughs> I'll be sure to do that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Remember to check out Oh Hello on Broadway. It's open until January 8th with the hysterical Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Okay, time to switch gears, guys. As promised, uh, we're going to class up the place a little bit, Sammy. Yeah, take your silly hats off. Yeah, take those silly, <laughs> silly hats, silly pants, whatever silly yeah. clothing you're wearing. Uh, because Ruth Nega is um, – she's kind of a serious actor. And like I was actually a little worried. I was telling you before. like I was a little worried because I listened to some interviews with her. And she clearly is kind of reserved and soft-spoken and takes you know the craft seriously. And that's all cool and fine. And sometimes that can be a challenging interview though. 
having said that, she was delightful, and I feel, of course. and I feel like um, I, uh, I warmed her up with our mutual love of uh, Death Becomes Her, the overlooked Robert Zemeckis classic, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I, yeah, we had a really good time talking about Loving, which, as I said earlier, is a film that's opening in limited release on Friday. You should definitely check it out, and it's going to spread out wide after that. Um, very much an Oscar contender and awards movie, and Ruth is um, being talked about as a best actress contender, and justifiably so because it's a very um, reserved and powerful performance, her and Joel Edgerton. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Joel Edgerton. Mm-hmm. I was saying to her in the in the podcast, we've had on Michael Shannon, who's in the movie, Joel Edgerton and Nick Kroll and her. It's like oh my God. everybody in the movie Are you here. in the movie too? I should be. I'll be in Loving 2. <laughs> yeah, in the sequel. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so this is a movie that uh, we talk a lot about and we talk about, um, you know, all the stuff going on in her life. She's also in Preacher, which a lot of people are really digging and that's coming up for a second season. And, um, you know, her growth as an actor in movies like... Uh, um, Breakfast on Pluto, which was a small Neil Jordan movie that she made her debut in 10 years ago. And and here she is now, big awards contender, super, super powerful Ruth Nega. That's how it I'm happens. Happy, sad, confused. You know you've made you've it when. made it, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, happy to have her on the podcast and hope you guys check out Loving uh, out this Friday in Limited and afterwards wide. Here is Ruth Um, there's no formal introduction, but I'm very excited to be joined by Ruth Nega, the star of Loving. It's good to see you, Ruth. Thank you for coming in. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you should know that this is, this is almost the unofficial Loving podcast because I've had, in the past here, I've had Michael Shannon. I've had, um, I've had Nick Kroll just on, actually he's part of this week's show on your show as well. Nick Kroll is on this episode. Um, and of course, Joel Edgerton's been on the show. So it's, it's a love fest for Loving here. That's amazing. Thank you. Of course. This is a film I, I, I absolutely adore and I know it's a, it's a, it's a special one for you. Yeah. Um, so for, first of all, I mean, talk to me a little bit about you know, the, we were talking as you came in here today. Um, it's already been a bit of a long run. You you know, you debuted this film in Cannes. Mm-hmm. You've done some film festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those films that hopefully will be around through this silly kind of award season, but it's all for a good cause to make sure people are aware of it and see it. Yeah. Does it feel like, you know, this isn't why you sign up to be an actor, but is this is this, this mm-hmm. part of it okay with you because you love the film so much? Or give me yeah. a sense of where you're I think, at. I think it's be- – I do love this film and I love this couple and – Jeff and Joel and I think it's important for people to um, be introduced to this couple if they don't know them already and I was always quite surprised that people hadn't heard of them considering you know their contribution to um, you know American history you know they they changed the constitution of the United States of America and I just thought that was such an extraordinary thing and I wonder why I didn't know about them so I, I kind of think that people People like Richard and Mildred are like the unknown soldiers of the civil rights struggle. Yeah. And hopefully more and more of these people's stories will be told. And, and to, to give a little context for the audience, and I confess, look, you have an excuse at least, you know, you're uh, Irish, Ethiopian and by uh, heritage. I'm a U.S. citizen. I should, I feel like I should know the story and I didn't, frankly. Um, but it is a really compelling story and it's mm. – um, it, it, I guess what – it got started in, in Virginia. Richard and Mildred Loving um, went through this insane kind of nine-year process that went through the, the court system yes. simply because they wanted to remain man and wife and live yes. happily together and that was against the law. In Virginia. It, it was against the law for a white person to marry a black person in many states. Um, and they got married in Washington, D.C. And when they came back to 
Virginia, Central Point, where they lived, um, they got arrested, um, shoved in jail, and went to the local courthouse and had to plead guilty to... Um, that was, was something very specific, like um, contributing to the vulgarization of the Virginia state law or something just Unfathomable, awful. yeah. And they, they had to leave the state or face a 25-year imprisonment. So they had no choice. They had to leave the state. And this became such a, it was such a bruising um, experience for them both. But, you know, ultimately um, Mildred couldn't live away from her family and, and, and her hometown. And they, she proceeded to write to Bobby Kennedy, who then referred her to the ACLU, which is the American Civil Liberties Union. And right. they... Um, assigned them two two lawyers, Phil Hirschkopf and Bernie Cohen, and took them nine years. But they eventually got their their um, case heard at the Supreme Court, which was extraordinary then. And it was a unanimous decision, and they invalidated the miscegenation, anti-miscegenation laws of the state of Virginia and deemed it unconstitutional to um, stop people marrying because simply because they're different colors, different races. It's it's a it's a remarkable film in many ways because I think some people, in, even in hearing you know you describe it, it, might expect a certain type of film, and it's probably not the kind of film that that you might expect ho- big Hollywood to make with like a sweeping score and kind of like going for the gut. Yet in watching it. It, it has a cumulative effect on yes. you. It really is very affecting. I think simply because you're watching, right from the start, you're watching a very lived-in, beautiful relationship, relationship yeah. that you're rooting for, and you can't, you know, in 2016, fathom why this situation exists in a relatively recent past. And it's, I think, it's to the credit of what you and Joel and Jeff Nichols, as, as writer director, have done to create such a, a touching kind of real. Um, couple we root for mm. and I think that you know I think Jeff Jeff isn't capable of making a film that is obvious right. and he really avoids those melodramatic pitfalls you know showpieces those kind of really kind of I find them kind of excruciating scores that sort of bully into feeling emotion well it takes you out of the moment to, uh, yes it's, and it's it, also it's 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 inaccurate for this couple. It doesn't make sense. It's not speaking their truth. And I think that with with real life couple, I think that your your responsibility is to be as authentic as possible and speak their truth. And and Jeff was the perfect filmmaker to speak Mildred and Richard's truth. You know, yeah. they're a very reserved, shy couple. Very much saw themselves as ordinary, like everyday couple, like the every man and woman of of couples. They didn't want to be in the spotlight. They didn't think they had the articulous articulacy or the um or the uh confidence to become sort of um headliners right. in, is it is it you know, if you will, in the civil rights struggle. But they knew that they wanted to be married to one another. And they really couldn't see anything wrong with that. Um and the great thing about is Jeff's film is that it exposes the folly of those laws that go back years since the I think it's it's just horribly named it's a complete misnomer the Racial Integrity Act um, you know that kind of um, legislated on this um, and so Jeff's film didn't it didn't want to he didn't he didn't he circumvented this sort of courtroom drama aspect of it right. that we, to be honest we've see, all seen before and it also takes the spotlight away from this extraordinary couple yes and which gives it the emotional resonance exactly yes. and the thing about it is at the end of the day this is a love story and it was very important for us to um, 
show the couple, the humans, the humanity behind the titles of these laws, you know, Loving versus Virginia. Sure. I think that individuals um, get lost sometimes. And I think that's that's how we sort of respond to one another, isn't it? Is, is through our kind of um, very basic things is yeah. like how we relate to how each we other relate to one another. yeah exactly and that's and i think very much this 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 film the love for that they have for one another the respect very much resonates with 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 people um and i think that the way jeff has done that is extraordinary and he's he was right to make those choices and i think one of the things i love as a, as a film fan is kind of like diving down a rabbit hole after I, I find a film and kind of like wanting to learn more yeah and there's a great documentary which i watched just yesterday uh, after i'd seen the film um oh, interesting nancy's yeah nancy's uh nancy bursky thank you yes documentary uh, for hbo the loving story which i urge people to see it's wonderful it is wonderful and i it's it's actually it's on amazon i think you can order it for like three or four bucks and and it's well mm. worth seeing because well, that was the genesis of this story you know colin yeah. firth had seen colin firth and Jed majority who work at Rain Dog Films has seen this um, documentary and they wanted that's what they wanted to make this film it's kind of amazing to see what, what the footage that they got like back yeah. back then that like to, to because there are these very like revealing moments between this couple of them maybe kind of almost not even aware of you that they're still on camera or kind of like trying to get off camera but really just capturing the ease around each other oh yeah and that must have been so valuable for you and and, and I should say just to compliment you and Joel again like I was impressed enough after seeing the film, but after seeing the documentary, you guys really, really capture something that uh, mm. is evident in that documentary. Thank so you. all credit to you guys. Thank you. Well, it was very important because what you realize when you see this archival footage is that there was something else apart from them being individuals. They had this amazing chemistry and an amazing, really compelling stage presence <laughs> as a couple. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, but very distinct from one another because, you know, this you have this sort of stoic Richard who is just really does not want to be anywhere near a camera. And it's very obvious. Yes. Um, and then you see Mildred, who is really quite charismatic. And it's not that she's not a peacock in it. There's a very little vanity for the both of them. But she has a comfort with other human beings that is really attractive and attracting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what... Certainly what Jeff wanted the people he cast, he wanted them to embody this couple, not just play them or mimic them Yes. or mimic the footage. And that was very important, that, that it was more about the spirit of them, you know. Um, and that's what Jeff and I both were charged with and were very happy to be charged with that. And it was very, you know, it was a very um, ensemble piece and it was very sort of a symbiosis, symbiotic experience because... We were doing this as a team, as very much a couple, um, yeah. in order to reflect that. Is that part of what what gets you off as an actor, the collaborative experience from the start mm -hmm. in terms of working, finding a director you click with, finding a co-star that you share mm -hmm. uh, a sensibility with and, and kind of find that rhythm with? Mm -hmm. and, and how often does that happen where it feels as satisfying as something like this clearly did? Um, it depends, really. I mean, I think I've been very lucky, but this was incredibly satisfying. And, you know... Um, Acting cannot happen in isolation. Um, and I think no performance is can happen in I mean, it can, but I just don't think they're at their best. Of course. Um, and I think that, that, you know, the work you can do as an individual, you can do that. But then the most interesting from, thing for me about this job is what happens on set between action and cut. And you have to sort of 
give it up, give up control in many ways, because you have to just jump and everyone has to jump and then something beautiful can happen that is surprising sometimes for everybody involved yeah. and that's a very there's a very there's a reliance on one another and a support system and i very felt i felt very much doing this film that that was that was very much in place not just with the other cast members but also with jeff's crew that he assembled because he also he is the kind of director who works with the same people yep. again and again and, and develops this shorthand and this trust um and I think that was very apparent on set, and I felt that energy there very much. And it was a, a real boon for all us actors to feel that supported and, and buoyed. He, he's he's one of those filmmakers that I that I'm just obsessed with because he mm-hmm. as he kind of charts out his relatively young career. Yeah, I mean, and he, he's and he star- ridiculously young. absurdly, <laughs> and and has such a, a great like the film in my you know I've interviewed him a bunch over the years like and you obviously know him better than I but like it it really almost reflects to me how he is his mm-hmm. sensibility as this mm-hmm. like calm um soothing um mm-hmm. confident uh, person that uh, uh and I, I guess what i was trying to say before is that like I, I'm, I'm so intrigued by like how he's starting to kind of dabble in different genres and yet mm-hmm. they all still feel very authentically of his mind and of his sensibility yeah most definitely so um you know th- there's th- there's the I have a lot of actors in here that like, you know, are quote unquote having their moment, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions mm-hmm. like that right now in terms of, oh, Ruth Nagel, where have you been? You know, et cetera. But like, it, and that's one of those things that like, you know, is is probably more about the journalist writing the story than in terms of what the reality is. Or does it feel authentic to you that like this is a, a quote unquote big year for you? Or is that kind of like useless to think mm-hmm. about it in those terms? No, I mean, you know. Between Preacher and um, Loving, I think I've had a very good year for me. You know, it's in job terms. I mean, I've did kind of, you know, what, I, what I've been drawn to and very lucky to play Tulip and Mildred. I can't think about it too much because it just will paralyze me, you know. Yeah. Um, I know people People think that it's disingenuous to say that you're shy if you're an actor, but most actors I know are shy because the whole point of being an actor is you disappear, you know, and you don't. It's very enjoyable spending most of your time not with your own self. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I don't want to root. I don't want to root around in my own head more than I have to. Who does want to do that? You know. So it's. Um, you know, the most thing you most enjoy about your job is the chameleon aspect, and. Yeah. Um, but you know the thing is, is that so it's very, it's very satisfying being part of this team who are introducing this couple to yeah. people, as I've said, like. Um, and I, I really am thrilled when people come up to us after screening and say, I never heard about this couple. Thank you for bringing them to the attention of us. And thank you for, a lot of people said, thank you for bearing witness, you know. Um, and I think that's a really important thing that art can do, you know, is bear witness to yeah. events and people, um, especially those that may, be, may get forgotten or sidelined for whatever various reasons. Um, and we all are very proud to be you know, um, um, sort of celebrating this couple and honouring them. And, you know, and many people have come up to me and said, you're telling our story or our parents' story or my story. Yeah. So, well, and as you well know, I mean, you go into a project with the best of intentions and sometimes it just doesn't, for whatever reason, click or, or it clicks and the audience you, – you can't find the audience. And when you're, when you're in a project like this where it seems to have worked, <laughs> everyone's happy yeah. with it and the audience seems to be finding it, yeah. that, that's like relish that moment and embrace oh, that moment. definitely. That sort of alchemical process that doesn't always sort of um, yeah. mix, you know. Um, 
But I knew when we were making this story, we were making something special. Did you? Yeah, and I knew it would be a film that would be unignorable. Is that a word? <laughs> it tells the story, ever, even if it's ever not. I'm making up my own words. <laughs> it's okay. You're allowed. Um, um, yeah, and I'm sometimes I don't even know what they mean. <laughs> I think I got the gist of that one. <laughs> um. And what, what, what do you Even, feel on set? Like when – like can you define that for me in terms of like just it feeling true and feeling real yeah, or feeling – I think that um, it goes back to being – that idea of something being really authentic and – but it's a re- – and all the all the parts of the jigsaw puzzle are coming together and they're fishing together really nicely and there's no kind of jamming one in. You know, yeah. it just seems to come together and that's because, you know, everyone's, everyone's done their job. They've done the work, you know, and we're all coming together and contributing. We're all aware that we are – part of this bigger thing um and i knew i know people have called it a quiet movie and a small movie but you know that doesn't mean it's not important and that it doesn't speak volumes about this time um you know at the 58 to 67 is when we and when that, that that struggle happened but also now it's big it's like brilliantly, peculiarly resonating with people for many other reasons, and people are, people. It feels like people are really thirsty for films like this, yeah. like films that reaffirm things, reaffirm love, faith, people's faith in love, people's faith in human beings, people's faith in goodness, people's faith in hope and hope, and that's that's a word that that is used in our film, and that Mildred says in the documentary footage. She's asked, what do you feel about this? She says, I feel hope, I feel hopeful. And I think we could all use a good dose of that. Certainly. Um, talk to me a little bit about your sensibilities just as a as a consumer of film, whether as a kid or now. Um, what I've had, had a chance recently. <laughs> you're a little behind on your films? Well, you're busy yeah. touting your own. That's okay. I'm too busy chatting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you out of here and see some good movies. There are some good movies this season. I That's, know. Uh, what's high on your list? What do you want to see? What's, Moonlight. Moonlight's amazing. Yeah. Moonlight's, yeah, yeah. We've, we've had Mahershala and Naomi in here. And there. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic We've been kind of, of um, Yeah, I'm sure you're on the circuit. Yeah. On the circuit, so it's been there. such a lovely bunch. Um, what else? I Need to See the 13th. Yes, Ava DuVernay's film. That. Fantastic. Um, well, that's on Netflix. You have no excuse. I know. Just... <laughs> I sure I don't, yeah. Um, well, t- well, tell me this. Instead of reveling in the sad things you haven't gotten a chance to see, <laughs> what about just going back as a, as a kid? Like what, what made an impact on you in terms of like making you be inspired by the performing arts and arts in general or film? I really loved comedies when I was a kid, like really cheesy comedies, but I don't think they're terribly cheesy. But um, name, name a couple for me. I know, like sense. most Bette Midler films, which <laughs> I just adore. Um, um, stuff like, I don't know, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, classic. Please. Death like Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her is a genius. highly underrated movie, by the way. My ass, Ernest, I can see my ass. <laughs> Meryl and that uh, is fantastic. Bruce Willis is amazing. And Goldie Horn. Yeah, they're all amazing. Is it, mm, triumphant, triumphant. Right uh, agreed. Um, what else? And then when I was a when I you know that was and then when I got you know you get into your teenage years, kind of and then it was um, most of Tim Burton's sort of stuff and then and then you get gritty like I remember I was watching uh, Machu Kasovitz's Lane. Okay, I was yeah, huge, yeah. And then Spike Lee's all Spike Lee's stuff and. Yeah, and do do you, do you feel a an aptitude and interest in everything that you love? Would you want to do kind of like 
broad comedy? Do you feel like that's something that would fit your the thing wheelhouse? Like comedy, right? Is you gotta be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. Well, this timing business. You just gotta be funny, and what, I what, don't know. Really, it's not. But isn't timing? Isn't, my, isn't timing wheelhouse. being funny? I mean, isn't it just basically? Apparently, what? but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I lack that. Um, <laughs> no, I. Do you know what? I think I'll leave it up to the people. I think a lot of people have that down. So. Right. Do what you um, know you can do better than most and let the professionals do their thing. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have been told I have a very tragic face. <laughs> and I took that one way and now I'm thinking, maybe, I don't know. But I do have an elastic face. Even an elastic face. I think that's face. a very good comedic. Yeah, you're the Jim Carrey of, uh, of loving. Wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> trying to get you new avenues of roles. I'm expanding your you're repertoire. You're hustling for work for me. Yeah, do you Thank have an agent? Because I see, I see big things for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, <laughs> it has been an interesting last uh, few years. As I said, I saw you at, at Comic-Con. Um, I don't know if it was a, a thankful thing for you or not, but, uh, but one of your co-stars basically dominated that conversation, the crazy uh, Joseph uh, Gilgan. Is that how you Oh, Joseph, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, yeah, that he's man, a star. He's a he's maniac. A, I think he's quite normal. <laughs> Maybe you're all maniacs. Um, no, he's very, he's very loquacious. Yes. But that, um, maybe that's a relief for you. You didn't have to carry no, the load. No, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and also, he really enjoys it. And I think it's something, you know, Dom and me, Dominic Cooper plays the pre, the eponymous title preacher. <laughs> and Cassidy, who is played by Joseph Gilgan, and I played Sheila O'Hare. We just get, we're, we all get on. Like, I mean, we just really like hanging out with each other. And that helps, Yeah, believe it or not. And um, But we do, we, we unfairly shift the load onto... Um, Onto Joseph, but I think that the audience are relieved because he's far more entertaining than either of us. He kept me on my toes, definitely. He did. Yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> and now poor, you know, Jeff and, and Joel have left you to the wolves, left me to me alone. I, I apologize. <laughs> You've been doing great so far, though. You okay? They only held me back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's time for her to shine and show off her elastic, tragic face. <laughs> I can see the tragic face. You can't. <laughs> um, but it's also been an interesting, um, you know, you you did, a, I know you've done a, a ton of theater, right? You did a lot of, you've done a lot of television, mm-hmm. continue to do a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't think about it in those terms. Most mm-hmm. actors don't. Again, it tends to be something others foist on them. You're a TV actor. You're mm-hmm. a film actor. Thankfully, that's kind of out the window in 2016 anyway. Yeah, yeah. But um, you have worked in, in, in increasingly large-scale films too. I mean, you've you know dabbled in that, whether it's uh, uh, Warcraft and World War Z. Mm-hmm. Has that been something? I know it's it's hard to kind of paint it all with one brush, but have those felt like different kinds of experiences for you? Are you kind of again finding those to be as interesting and rewarding to work in that in that scale? Um, I just I, like, I just like working. To be yeah. honest, you know, I mean, it is sometimes just about your next gig, but I mean. You know, it's you know, in diff- you, do, you, f- you find sort of a satisfaction in different ways because those big films, it's good. they're ex- they're extraordinarily thrilling, and you know, when people you realize how passionate people are about about it, then it's it's infectious. Um, and I'm for all, I'm all for enthusiasm. You know, I think that cynicism and cynical kind of mindsets are very easy. Um, they're yeah. the easy way out. Totally. You know? Um, so no, I, I see I see treasures and everything really. You know? and, and you and you're open to I mean because you know I have a lot of actors and filmmakers in here that you know opine about this isn't maybe to some necessarily the glory days that were the 1970s where studios were making kind of more character based interesting films like A Loving, which you know mm-hmm. is to some degree you know a smaller studio, but mm-hmm. you know is a studio film. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadly, there aren't a thousand lovings. There are mm-hmm. half a dozen lovings a year, maybe. Um, does I mean, 
are you still able to appreciate sort of what dominates the multiplex? Again, I mean, you've been in some of these. Like, do you do you enjoy going to see a comic book movie like the rest of us, or is it just not your not oh, your bag? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I don't. I think I don't. I don't think I'm narrow minded or. You know, in that sense, um, I just I love the movies. You know, I think that. I think it's the, 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 the entire act of going to a movie theatre is so special and so exhilarating, you know, because we associate it with that childhood thrill of yeah. you're going to the movies, you have to go and buy your ticket, and then you get to choose your popcorn. Um, you don't have sweet popcorn here, do you? Tell me. What, what, what is the yeah, sweet I, popcorn that you, you speak of? Like sugar on your popcorn. No, I'm open to it. I Can know. I bring my own sugar and just add it to the yeah, popcorn? Yeah, it's not the same, but but anyway. Is that your treat of I choice? Know, it's just like, um, no, not necessarily, but I was quite shocked that you, you We're just a backwards it's country. There's a lot of bad there's a lot of bad shit going on here. Right? <laughs> in, Tr- in Trump's America, there's no sweet popcorn. There's nothing. <laughs> Help us. Tell me of your Very sweet funny. popcorn ways. <laughs> um, you know that kind of experience where you go and the lights dim and you get to see the trailers. What do you call them here? Uh, coming attractions or trailers, short trailers. previews. Previews, yep. that's it. You know, and then the, oh, oh, I, live, just, I live for the previews. That's yeah, all I need but, in my life. That was 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't People it? People say, oh, that's enough of the previews. And I'm like, give me yeah. five more. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I used to love them. I still do. And then you come out and you're finding out and you, you know, you've also, you've also had this communal experience with people, yeah. you know, and that's, there's something very, you know, there's something quite ancient about that, you know, I mean, that was the whole point, you know, why the Greeks invented, you know, amphitheaters is that it was important to have this cathartic communal experience. And I do feel that as very important and thrilling. And you feel like something, when you've come out of a theater, something has shifted. Absolutely. Whether it's made you, made you, you've seen something that made you laugh and you feel brighter or whether it's made you think about things differently or from a different perspective. And, you know, that can't be underestimated. And it does heighten the experience, doesn't it? I mean, I find like if I see a comedy with, you know, folks with, uh, with, that are laughing, I'm laughing a little more. If I'm crying, I'm crying a little more. Yeah, and and yeah. that's, I mean, why deny yourself that experience? Don't you want to kind of feel at a movie? Isn't that part of the, the job to kind yeah. of go through an emotional journey? But you want to be part of something. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Is, um, going back, was, you know, you worked with Neil Jordan on, on Breakfast yeah, uh, on Pluto, who's a fantastic Irish filmmaker. I love that film. So, yeah, I mean, and talk to me. Was that your first film? That was my first that, film. Yeah, I think that, it was. Think that's it was. Quite it was a, 10 years ago now. That's quite a way to start with a, a filmmaker like that. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about Was it shocking for you? And I mean, you've yeah. done a lot. You've done a lot of theater by then, I assume. Yeah. But was it still kind of a. I was terrified because big... I'd not done. Um, not a very much screen work because, you know, at a lot of drama schools, you only do a couple of weeks, if that, you know, on screen work. And I was worried that I'd be too big, you know. I was worried that I'd verge on the hammy and right. this old elastic face would get in the way. <laughs> Ruth and her famous <laughs> tragic elastic face. But, you know, I just... I, you know, eventually I just didn't care because I was so thrilled to be part of this film. I was so th- thrilled to be working with Neil and Killian Murphy. Killian, oh my God. Oh, extraordinary as, as Kit and Braden and Lawrence Kinlan as well. And Oh, just countless. Um, Brendan Gleeson is in it. Liam Neeson is in it. Um, Stephen Ray. You had the Irish uh, elite. Um, you had the... It was just a thrilling experience. And I loved my character. And, you know, the thing is, is I am drawn to these misfit kind of characters. And... and um, Charlie, who I play in, in in the film, is is very much an outsider, and right. um, and I was, you know, just I was just thrilled to, you know, be part of um, that story, 
and I love Pat McCabe as a writer. He's mm-hmm. an extraordinary um, original writer, you know, bangs his own drum and, you know, um, and I, and it was, it was just, it was a joyful experience. You were spoiled from the start, 10, yeah, year, ten yeah. years ago, celebrating your 10-year yeah. anniversary in film and, and, and going strong. Thank you uh, for coming by today. I really, oh, no, I, pleasure, I really pleasure. very much appreciate it. And Sorry uh, my voice is in my boots. It's just I've been talking No, it, it has import. It has <laughs> weight to it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, but <laughs> not true at all. Um, guys, I'm a very check. superficial person. <laughs> <laughs> She's giving me that tragic look again. <laughs> check out Loving for more of the tragic face. No, but it's 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 it's, a, it's honestly it's a, it's a really powerful, beautiful story. Um, sure, you can call it quiet, but as I said, like it it packs a wall. But yeah. it, it it really you feel something going through it, and and, and yeah. it's a it's one well worth checking out this season. And uh, Ruth, thanks for coming by, and hopefully I'll I'll see you as uh, people continue to consume this movie in the Great. silly months to come. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed myself. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) This episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE. It's electrified. So you can boogie, woogie, woogie into the forest. Boogie woogie woogie through the mud. Or boogie woogie woogie to work, where you boogie woogie woogie down the hall to your boss's office to tell him you quit. Then you boogie woogie woogie to the elevator as he boogie woogie woogies after you, begging, please take me with you. The electrified Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE. Learn more at Jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.